Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Kaylee Loring. Yes, we do. It was a great interview. Yeah. Kaylee was a screenwriter and then uh, transitioned into being a novelist. And we talk about that. That's okay. That's Sarah's dog. <laughs> I'm just glad it's not mine <laughs> this time. Um, how she transitioned into to writing novels and romance and how she takes care of her readers. And it was a great interview. Yeah. And she has a podcast for yes. um, audio. Um, yes. Like she's using it to. Um, it was a very interesting marketing tactic too. She was doing exclusive content in audio for her listeners. Yes. And so it's very interesting. So we'll talk about that. Yes. And yeah. We just, it was, it, we talked to her a lot about her transition, mm-hmm. um, what it was like when she was a screenwriter and how mm-hmm. she transitioned into writing fiction. So yeah. it was very cool. It was a great interview. So what's been going on with you? Well, um, this week has, uh, la- well, when this goes out last week was historical mystery day. Mm-hmm. And that was the day that I launched and I, I was so glad it went well. I felt like I was throwing a party and I wasn't sure if anyone was going to come, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, people came and posted about it and tweeted. Yeah, and that's and, great. Yeah. So it, it went well and it was people that I didn't know. So it made me feel better. So people were excited about it. And I think now it's launched and it's really took up a lot more time than I thought it would. Yeah. And now I can get more back into writing. So, right. and I also did a um, course from Becca Syme. It's a mm-hmm. using the strengths to um, help you create characters. Uh-huh. And it was really interesting and really, really good. It was just like a one day course. I really mm-hmm. liked it. Oh, so if you're into strengths, you might check and see. Um, when that's going to be, I don't know when it'll be available again, but right. it was really good. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't done a whole lot this week. Um, we, I had to have some medical stuff done, which, you know, that always takes up time that you don't expect. And um, then I, but I did go to my family's in my little small town this weekend. Um, my nephew's getting married. So there was a big, like, shower barbecue it was like i do barbecue was the theme of the shower (laughs) but let me tell you i got lots and lots of uh material for my books uh just being there a couple of days so (laughs) that's always that is awesome that's great that's always good so it's always good to to go plus it's great to see my family so um but yeah that was about it so okay. just, well that's good it, yeah. it's, it's research right it's research 100 <laughs> research oh my gosh I actually learned some stories about my sister that I didn't know and because my I have four sisters and the two youngest sisters are 10 years and 13 years younger than me so while they you know were growing up and getting in trouble like in high school and stuff um I was not around. And so there was a lot I didn't know, but oh my gosh, my sister told the funny story and it is definitely going in a book. I'm just telling you, it's going in a book. So, 
So that is hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. It, it was great. Okay. It was really great. But anyway, we should get on with the interview because it's so good. Yes. And I know people are going to really love hearing from Kaylee. Yes, that sounds great. So here's Kaylee. All right. All right. Today we have Kaylee Loring with us. We're super excited to talk to you. How are you, Kaylee? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also super excited. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rainy. No, yeah. I'm I'm happy to be here. It's a rainy Pacific Northwest day, and I'm just mm. always busy doing at least 90 things. So yeah. this is actually nice because now I'm only doing one thing. Yeah. Well, I was going to say we're recording after lunch for Jamie and I, so this could oh, be like yeah. the afternoon yes. lull. Yes. <laughs> Normally, we would try and record in the morning when we're all. Yeah, no, I just had <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> Fun times. Um, okay, well, let me read your bio, and then we'll get it. We'll get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Before writing steamy romantic comedy novels, Kaylee Loring got a BFA in creative writing from a Canadian university and had a 15-year career as a screenwriter in Los Angeles under a different name. She wrote mostly PG-13 family comedies that studios would pay her lots of money for, and then never make into movies. <laughs> in 2017, she decided to move to the Pacific Northwest and write about all the fun stuff that she wasn't allowed to write about in those PG-13 scripts. Now she's breathing cleaner air and writing dirtier words, and it's an adjustment she's happily getting used to. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so how did you get into writing? Tell us that. Uh, just like well, in the beginning, how did you get into writing? In Not the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, yeah, like actually writing, writing, because I, I feel like I've been writing forever. Like I started telling people I was going to be a screenwriter when I was like 16 in high school and I had never even seen a script. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And right. then when I was 17, I fell in love with my boyfriend in high school was kind of the the school writer, he was a playwright and he had like won this local award um, for playwriting. And I had always sort of thought, well, eventually I'll write something, but he was actually doing it. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so I just started. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I decided to, you know, start taking creative writing courses in college. And so that was my BFA. And I, um, I wrote short stories and plays and um, radio plays. I never wrote a novel. I was taking um, like only graduate level workshops mm -hmm. and like all of my, all of the other students, all the other grad students were writing novels. And I just kept saying, I just don't think I have a novel in me. I don't even mm -hmm. have one novel in me. Like, what do I have <laughs> to say? And, um, and so I had this plan, a very, like the, the, the kind of plan that you only have when you're like 20. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, so I was going to graduate and then I was going to write short fiction until I was 25 years old. And my goal was to be on one of those like 25 under 25 lists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something. So I was like, so I'm going to do that. And then when I'm 25, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to be a playwright. And I'm just going to write plays and become a celebrated playwright. And then when I'm 32 years old, I'll be ready to move to Los Angeles as a celebrated playwright. And then people are just going to throw money at me to write scripts for them. Right, right. That was the plan. And then, like, immediately after I graduated, 
college, I, um, I went to visit my best friend who was, uh, she was working as a producer's assistant on this, um, like a Hollywood studio film that was Mm -hmm. shooting, um, in the province where I lived. And I, I just went to hang out and the, one of the stars of, I've actually never told this story before. (laughs) One of the stars of the film was somebody that I actually really, really admired. And he Mm -hmm. was the first, and he was older than me. And Mm -hmm. so I met him and we became friends and I told him my stupid plan about (laughs) when I'm 25 and blah, blah, blah. He was like, well, that's dumb. You should move to LA when you're young and skinny and you can really enjoy it. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'll do that. And so I did, I, you know, I moved to LA when I was 21 and wow. Um, and I was very lucky in that, um, things happened for me pretty quickly. Like, you know, I wrote, I I did that thing where I kind of worked on my first script, first feature script, um, you know, forever and just kept Mm -hmm. rewriting it and then just finally kind of put it away. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it wasn't that good. And also, you know, I was 21. Like, what did I have to write about? It was just a lot of people complaining about being 21, basically. Um, (laughs) And but then the next script that I wrote, and I, you know, I met all these people. When I first got there, I I worked as an assistant, um, like a PA Mm -hmm. for people like in Hollywood, and people would just, you know, people just wanted to help me. And so I would meet them and they would be like, well, show me your script. And you know, I got, I got a manager and an agent very quickly. And oh, within wow. the first several months of being signed with an agent, I sold a script. I'd wow. written it as a feature script, but it sold to a TV movie producer, like they optioned it. Mm-hmm. And then within, you know, less than a year of that, I had my first studio sale hmm. to a big studio. And, um, and so that was a big deal. And like I, I initially wanted to write like indie movies, indie mm-hmm. scripts. Mm-hmm. But um, as soon as you have, as soon as you get into the studio system mm-hmm. in Hollywood, all of your representatives um, want you to stay there because, you know, there's less of, much less of a chance of a film actually getting produced. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're guaranteed to make more money if you are hired mm-hmm. to write a script or if they buy a spec script. So, so I kind of stayed, I just stayed in the studio system forever and people, you know, people really liked my writing. I was not a shrewd person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just kind of show up to meetings and hang out with people and be like, Oh, show me pics of your kids, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And like, mm-hmm. Oh, what, what, diet are you on right now you look amazing <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know but people like actually liked me as a person which I think is one of the reasons that I lasted as long as I did because yes. um uh-huh. what I what I kept hearing was like the average length of a career for an unproduced screenwriter is five years mm-hmm. which makes sense um yeah but I was lucky in that like every five years I would have like a kind of a splashy sale or something like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and also I just, for whatever reason, I was just really good at 
dealing with producers, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause you get notes on your scripts mm-hmm. and you have to rewrite them just over and over and over again. And a lot of screenwriters hated that and they didn't, they were very resistant to doing rewrites, you know, and mm-hmm. rightly so because you're pretty much always doing it for free. It's yeah. kind of free work. Um, but I was able to, you know, ask questions, ask the producers questions until I got a reasonable answer as to what it was they actually wanted me to do in the rewrite, because that's mm-hmm. usually the problem. Like when you yeah. get into development hell, nobody actually knows what anybody else wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, so it was a lot of that. I was very lucky and I, you know, I was actually a working writer for a really long time. And then, you know, so the last job I had, I was a staff writer for a studio and it was really, it was kind of a job that was really created for a beginning writer, for a newbie. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this was like after, this was after the, um, the writer's guild strike. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the whole landscape of Hollywood kind of changed and there were fewer studios and fewer jobs, less money um, for, you know, studios to buy scripts. Mm-hmm. So they were getting a lot of like, not necessarily seasoned writers, but like really good writers who had experience, including me. And so it was an exclusive um, contract. And so in a way I kind of disappeared from mm the world and was just writing for this one studio. And I learned a lot and I was doing all the things that I kind of hated. Mm. (laughs) Like I hated, I loved just writing. Mm -hmm. I hated talking about scripts. I hated Mm -hmm. pitching stuff. I hated doing outlines and all that kind of thing. That was all the stuff I had to do. So in a way it, it was great for me and it ended up being really great for me you know, preparing me to be an author, but I didn't know it at the time. So anyways, because I kind of disappeared off the face of Hollywood for two years because of that exclusive thing, it was very hard for me to kind of get back out there mm-hmm. after this exclusive deal. And also I was writing like exclusively PG, PG 13 family comedies for this studio. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just wanted to mix things up and I wanted to write about sex and death. And I realized that if I was going to do that, I was, I was like really starting over like, cause all of the contacts that I had, all the fans that I had around town, they were in the comedy space. Right. And so, you know, I saw the writing on the wall and I was like, well, this isn't going to happen anymore. (laughs) And so what's the next thing for me to do? And, you know, this was after, you know, the kind of heyday of self-publishing, but I had gotten, I had a, my best friend in Canada was somebody who really wanted to write novels. And, and I kept telling her like right after, um, E.L. James's after 50 shades came out, I was like, well, you can do this, do this. And, mm-hmm. and she did. And she actually had, you know, some success in like 2013, 2012 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll give this a try. And I ironically, I actually absolutely hated writing romantic comedy screenplays because um, you have the 
least amount of kind of uh, creative leeway. It's like mm-hmm. very formulaic. Um, and I hated that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I loved, I loved writing dialogue and, you know, the banter was great, but I really hated how limited you are in terms of telling a story, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, well, I'll just, <laughs> I mean, I, when I was still in LA, I, uh, I decided to write a, um, I, 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 I novelized basically an unfinished romantic comedy screenplay that I had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just kind of added some sex and, and I published it, but I, I thought, going into it, I thought, well, I'm going to do this right. And so like I hired a, I hired a designer for the cover and I think I hired someone to do like a promo or something like that. Um, And uh, you know, it, I did, it did well enough that I was like, okay, you know, I guess I can do it. Honestly, like when I look at it, I I kind of want to unpublish my first three books. I'm not going to (laughs) possibly once I, if I, when I publish three or four more books, I might unpublish the first three. I, there are people who like it, mm-hmm. but I, I look at it and I'm like, this is so clearly just a novelization of an unfinished script. But anyway, so I decided, okay, well, I'll just, I, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. but in order to actually start what is honestly a totally new career, even though it was just, uh, it was also writing, it's so different. So I, I had to like think, okay, well, I can't keep living in LA where, you know, just the like property taxes for my huge house was like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars a year at that point. Mm, and I was yeah. like selling my book for 99 cents and Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, I had to put my house on the market and there was that whole thing. And so it took like a whole year before between like publishing that first Kaylee Loring book and like selling my house, moving here, taking, you know, several months here to like get settled. And mm-hmm. I didn't have writer's block or anything, but it was the first time in my adult life where I just wasn't writing and it was kind of wonderful. And I, <laughs> I actually just really needed the break. And then kind of November, 2017 came along and I was like, I guess I got to get back into it and so and so I did another novelization of another unfinished screenplay it was so much worse than the first one (laughs) probably my worst reviewed book because it didn't even really have a trope but Mm -hmm. anyways um so that was it you know this is I consider this my second career even though you know I've been writing forever yeah but uh so that's it first it was just like okay well you know, I just kind of always knew I was going to be a writer. And so I just did it. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm kind of done being this kind of writer. So I guess I'm going to be another kind of writer that I never anticipated. Right. I would ever be, you know, and I just kind of jumped, jumped in. That's sort of how I do things. Like I just for like really huge life decisions, I just kind of, I just wake up one morning. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this. And Mm then I will, take a couple of years to actually backtrack and go, okay, well, so how am I actually going to do this right? <laughs> oh, this so it's working out okay. Yeah, it's working it's, out just fine. Yeah. It, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is your definition of success then? That's one thing. That I well, about. yeah. So, I mean, as an author, it's, it's layered and it changes. I mean, there's like the creative 
success we're in like you know i'm not going to hit publish on a book um unless i've written something that ha- that has given me all the feels while i was writing it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um if i if it has made me laugh if i've gotten totally invested in the characters and fallen in love with the hero um and made myself at the very least tear up towards the end, then it's successful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'll publish it. And then it's, and then there's a matter of, you know, is it something that my core fans enjoy? Is it something, is it the kind of book that they expect from me? Mm -hmm. And do they love it? And then there's like, and, and I never, I never compare my success to any other authors because I think that what I'm doing is pretty specific. Um, and so it's not based on, you know, how well other people's books are doing right now or other people's books in the same trope or subgenre or whatever. It's just, it has a lot more to do with you know, my most recent releases and certain expectations that I have um, in terms of ranking. And I mean, there is like a financial aspect since this is like, you know, what, this is how I make a living. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of, do I make, you know, the minimum amount of money that I need, I suppose, or... Mm -hmm expect and um and then beyond that it's like am i finding a new audience too that's usually kind of gravy Mm -hmm. um you know but this i think sort of internally the stakes kind of go up with every release and certainly after like a very bossy christmas was the biggest success that I've had so far with mm-hmm. a book and it was kind of, um, it was really unexpected and a lot of it had to do with word of mouth and the fact that it came out at Christmas and it was, um, a unique fun book. And, you know, none of my books have been in the top 25. I mean that, that made like the top 25 and that was like mm-hmm. huge for me and it stayed mm-hmm. in the top 100 for two months. Wow. Which was insane. And, you know, I don't know if another book of mine is ever going to do that. It Mm -hmm. might. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think I've had like two releases since then and and they haven't. And that's, you know, that's fine. Um, So it's just you kind of take it project by project. It's like, you know, I had I I put out a book called The Love Interest. Um, Maybe that's what came out that, that came out after the friendly Valentine's day one, but um, like that was a total standalone mm-hmm. and um, you know, it was uh, kind of not experimental, but I was writing, I kind of wrote three books within a book and I was writing three different styles of writing within wow. a book and it was yeah. really hard for me, but you know, and it did well, like in that, you know, my core fans really liked it and there were some, some new people who really loved it, but like, it wasn't a huge hit because it wasn't a typical romantic comedy. And I guess, you know, honestly, I was a little bit disappointed because it was really hard for me to write, but at the same time, you know, it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And the audiobook was amazing. And, um, 
And so like as a backlist title, it's fantastic. So it's, it's interesting to me that um, I think you can kind of have to look at the success of your kind of your entire library as a whole, ultimately. Right. Yes. I think that helps us stay on an even keel if we're, yeah. instead of, we do get wrapped up in each release, mm-hmm. but if we yeah. think of it like over time and, and I was very happy to hear that you had a Christmas release that did really well because yeah. a lot of people now are like, oh, never release in December. It's like the worst time. But I mean, if you're going to do a Christmas book, you kind of don't have much choice. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but that's great that it did so well. So, yeah, well, I actually released, I think it was like October 26th when I first mm-hmm. released it. So it was like mm-hmm. even before. And so there was a lot of time to build word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before. Um, and it also had a really fantastic cover. It does. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yeah. It's one of your best covers for sure. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, I love that. Um, you talk about writing to your core, fra- core fans and then, yeah. you know, getting, then you, if you get new readers, then that's gravy. I, yeah. I love that because I think that, oh. you know, for, for me in particular, I do um, anytime I go off the rails, it's because I'm not, I've lost sight of my core fans and I keep thinking about the other readers. Like, can I grab these other readers with what I'm oh, writing? Like while you're writing, you think that? Mm-hmm. I do that sometimes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it's not good. It's never good when I do that. So, yeah. um, but anyway, that. But that's one thing I've really focused on with this book is just the book I just put out was, yeah, yeah it's, it, it rings all the bells for my core fans. So <laughs> really happy about that. But and yeah, I think that's important that we think about that. So tell us what you wish you'd known about writing and craft. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know how to answer that just because I, like I said, I kind of feel like I've always I've been writing forever and I did like actually study writing and craft. Like, so when I got my BFA, I, you know, I learned the Aristotelian three act structure and I learned how to rewrite, you know, that's kind of the first thing you need to learn when you start writing is that the first draft isn't it. Yeah. Um, Although I will say that at this point, um, as a writer and for quite a while, because I did so much rewriting um, as a screenwriter that, that really helped me as an author, because I'm actually a very clean writer. I only write, I really only write one draft Mm. and I write it in, um, you know, I write entire novels in like less than a month and a half at this point. And then I just kind of do a really quick polish. Mm -hmm. And that's because I've done so much rewriting just in general in my life that um, I kind of see where the potential problems are going to be. And mm-hmm. so I, I kind of work that out beforehand, or I can actually even kind of figure it out on the fly at this mm-hmm. point too. That's not to say that I don't uh, have absolute meltdowns with every <laughs> single project, but yes. um, <laughs> part you know, of the process. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, writing or craft, I, I mean, I guess if we go back to like before, you know, I started college, what I would, yeah, I guess what I wish I'd known was just how much actual work is involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, and not that, you know, I am obviously kind of a borderline workaholic and you kind of have to be, to be an indie author, but um, you know, 
you you start writing and you write your first draft of something and you're just like, this is the most amazing thing anyone has ever written and the entire universe is going to embrace it as such. Yeah. And, then, and then you, if you're in a workshop and then you share it with other people and now all of a sudden, oh, you have notes? Oh, <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, you think, oh, so it can be better. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> That's great. What about writing a novel then? What do you okay. wish you'd known about writing a novel? I mean, is that, was it um, so from script writing? It's completely different. So if for anyone who has never actually seen a script, the format is, of a script is there's very, very, there are not a lot of actual words on the page. There's very, very little prose. Mm-hmm. You have like a slug line that says interior, exterior, you know, what the location is, the time of day. And that's like for production. That's like mm-hmm. for the, the crew. And then you'll have, there'll be like a very brief description of like, you know, who's in the scene and what's going on of like sort of action. And then the dialogue just goes down the middle Mm -hmm. of the page. Um, And, you know, when you're writing a script, you're, you, you want to make sure that the reader's eyes are always going down the page. So like there's, that's why there's very little prose and, um, and the like movies are never two hours anymore, but like a, a two hour film would be like 120 pages. Mm. But in those 120 pages, it's mostly dialogue going down the middle of the page. So it's, it's what I'm saying is there's not a lot of words and I never did a word count mm-hmm. in a final draft file, but you know, just learning to physically write all the way across the page and fill the, an entire Microsoft <laughs> Word page yeah. with words was weird to me. It was yeah. so weird. And, you know, writing dialogue tags where I was used to just putting the character's name and stuff like that. Like, that was a strange adjustment. <clears throat> you know, structurally, it's the same. You're telling mm-hmm. the same shape of a story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't you can't get into a character's head when you're writing a screenplay. Mm-mm. So, and then that's one of the things that I absolutely love writing novels is because I'm so in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people actually like about the way I write is like, mm-hmm. I'm very kind of honest about what it's like to be a woman with an active brain. Yes. <laughs> a lot of weird thoughts. Um, and I, I, and so I, it's kind of no holds barred for me now, just like writing the internal monologue for, mm-hmm. and I write and I write, uh, it's always dual POV. Mm-hmm. Um, I write the male and female chapters and, um, and, and I love that too, like actually being able to get into someone's head, but it's, um, it's completely different because you're not, you know, you, you can write subtext, um, in the dialogue in a screenplay, mm-hmm. but you can't, it's cheating to like, you know, do a voiceover of what the person <laughs> is thinking at the time. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you had to find creative ways of, um, of getting across what the person was actually thinking. And in a novel, you can just actually write it. And that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a lot of words. And so, you know, when I was a screenwriter, I, I spent very little time actually writing. Mm. And now I'm, like truly, truly at my desk all day. 
mm-hmm. even when I'm not like actually writing, just mm-hmm. all the stuff that you have to do as an yeah. author is just centered around your computer, you know, yes, and, and so much of it is communication. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that's the other thing too, is like, uh, you know, when I was a screenwriter, I had, I had people doing things for me. Like you're, you know, you have an agent and a manager and, you know, I, I don't know if any screenwriter actually needs a publicist because nobody actually cares about the screenwriters, <laughs> but, but, you know, as a, as an author, as a, as a, an indie author, you do everything yourself. I mean, you can hire a team of people, but you're still, you know, the CEO of your mm-hmm. business and you mm-hmm. have to explain to people what you want and you have to sign off on things. And, there's so much communication involved. And then there's also, and one of the other things that I got really tired of as an unproduced screenwriter was, um, you know, all my fans were like in Hollywood, like mm-hmm. they're essentially being paid to read my stuff. And that's not why, you know, you become a writer because you want to connect with the mm-hmm. world in some way. And as an author, it's amazing that you actually get to, connect with the readers, like the mm-hmm. ones who reach out to you on right. social media or email, like that's, that's just fantastic. And, you know, it keeps you going, but it's also, you know, you can also learn from their comments, like direct comments, like what they love and respond to. And so that's right. kind of, you know, when I talk about making sure I, when I'm writing appeals to my core fans, it's, I think because I'm so constantly in touch with mm-hmm. with those people, um, I'm very aware of what what people want. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I will say that that you do write amazing dialogue. I have um, I've read a couple of your books, and and the dialogue is always just so snappy and funny and snarky. I just love that and. <laughs> So your screenwriting time did pay off as far as. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it, it absolutely did. And I actually, you know, I don't, I don't regret the amount of time that I spent doing that. I mean, like I said, it never would have occurred to me that it was leading up to this, but mm-hmm. looking back, it absolutely, it absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what about marketing? What do you wish you'd known about marketing? I mean, just the fact that you, I had to do it. I didn't, honestly, I think if when I was, you know, in LA and like made the decision, okay, I'm going to do this. If I had known how much of this was marketing, I probably would have figured out something else. I don't know what, I honestly don't know what it would have been, but you know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know. And, and cause if I had decided, cause I've grown into it is a thing. Like I mm. coming from, you know, being a spoiled little screenwriter, where everyone else was, you know, doing stuff for me besides the writing. Um, I have grown into it. And so, but the thing is I did it on my own terms and I did it very gradually because at this point in my life, I know who I am and I know what I'm capable of and I know how stressed out I get. Um, especially, you know, when I'm finishing up a book. So it's stuff like that. And then my plan was like by the 10th book that I put out, I will do all the stuff you're supposed to do. I will like actually do social media and, you know, start an IG and hire Mm -hmm. a publicist and hire editors and, um, 
and cover designers. And I did that. But then the ninth book that I wrote and put out, which was Come Back to Bed, ended up being kind of a sleeper hit. And I did like zero marketing at all for that book. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, uh, I didn't even, you know, at that point I had, I, I don't even know if I had a mailing list at that point. <laughs> I might have. But like, I just had some followers on Facebook and I, the, when I hit publish, that was the first time I actually posted something about it on Facebook and people just, it was like a word of mouth thing. You know, it was, it was a really good book. It was very, very likable. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a very absy guy on the cover <laughs> that I did. And it did well, and it just kept doing better and better over the course of a couple of months. And so that was another one of those kind of surprise things. But I think, and I, and I did, the marketing I did do, though, was just like, I did have, I think I always did AMS ads. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not always, but when, as soon as I learned about them, but, I, but like a really small budget. <clears throat> and then I think with come back to bed, that was the first time I started doing Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably helped because I yeah. would, I actually, you know, would have a little tiny excerpt from the book. Um, yeah. And then, and then that was the first time <clears throat> I started producing uh, an audiobook for my, my books too. And so kind of from come back to bed on, like, even though, I didn't have a publicist at that point and I didn't have, you know, bloggers doing stuff and I didn't have, I didn't have people doing early reviews. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think that people, um, when they discover my books, they get very excited and they actually just write reviews because they want to. I never, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but so now I do, I, now I, I do all that stuff. You know, I, the first, the first publicist I hired didn't really, work out for me. And now I have a good publicist and I have beta readers and I have three layers of editors. And, you know, I do, I have a great cover designer. I do all the things. And to me, I mean, this isn't answering what I wish I'd known, but um, what I have figured out is that um, my brand is, it's me. It's my voice. Like that's kind of what people are responding to in my books. Mm-hmm. And as part of just who I am, my personality, I can't ignore a notification on social media or like if I get an email from a fan. And so I respond to everything immediately. Mm-hmm. And what I realized, and this wasn't, you know, how this wasn't intended, but what I realized is every time I make a comment on social media responding to a fan, that's kind of like ninja marketing, you know, mm-hmm. because they're, they're interacting with the personality of my books. Mm-hmm. And so I think that just because I'm, you know, and I don't post very much on social media at all. I'm yeah. kind of only on at this point, I'm only on there so that, uh, so that I can keep in touch with fans and so that mm-hmm. like actual current readers can, can keep in touch with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time I do post or every time I respond to, you know, being tagged or at mentioned or whatever, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's kind of a form of marketing and I've mm-hmm. been, I've been very happy with that. Like that works for me, but also every year I kind of make a decision to do something 
else, something that makes to challenge myself and expand my marketing. I don't know, I guess we'll say capabilities. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so the next step for me is like doing social media to actually get new readers, which is not something I've, I've tried to do yet. I've kind of shied away from it. Right. Um, and, uh, so that's like, you know, TikTok. I, have to do yeah. TikTok I was going to say, I've been doing TikTok to, for that reason. Yeah. My readers, my current readers are not really, I, I think there are a few on TikTok, but for the most part, they're not there. So I'm going after new readers. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Is know? it? Yeah. I found it to be hard. I find it to be fun. I love the, I love the medium. I mean, it, it works for me and my personality, but yeah, cause you're as, funny. As far, well, thank you. As far as finding <laughs> readers, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. You know, so, yeah. But, but you know, but you do, yeah. you do have to diversify because yeah. like sometimes, you know, sometimes for no apparent reason, your Facebook ad that's been running for two months gets rejected all of a sudden because of the bots, you know, and no. so you have to have other things right, right. going. Absolutely. And so, so there's that. And then, um, you know, there's, I don't know. Have I answered your actual question? (laughs) (laughs) You have, you have, that was great. That was great. And I think that, I mean, I think we all wish we'd known more about marketing when we started, unless we have a marketing degree. The The other thing I wish I'd known, I mean, I guess I also kind of, again, I did know it, but it's something I resisted for something for some reason is that um, just doing a series of Mm -hmm. books Mm -hmm. is, is in a way marketing Mm -hmm. Um, just having connected. And I, you know, and I, I did those first three books I did, I called it a series. They were only connected by theme. (laughs) The theme was that they're all workaholics. (laughs) That's just not a romance thing. Like nobody, nobody types in workaholic (laughs) romance, you know, workaholic heroin. Um, But that was something that appealed to me because that's, you know, who I am. But, Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason, and you know, like I, I wrote some books that, that did have crossover characters, but I just didn't want to link them for some reason. And then I finally did just in, in this last year. Um, and, and I, I can totally see how it, it helps with marketing. That's like a yes. free thing you can do mm-hmm. that counts yeah. as marketing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 That's, that's I think exactly that's, right. Yeah. I think that's really smart though, too. I like your under the radar plan because so many people, we we start out and we have such big expectations and it's really difficult. And so like by going a little bit slower, by the time you had some backlist, when you're start ramping up, you've got, you know what, that was, that was another, that was another piece of it. Like I actually, that was another reason why I thought with my 10th book, that's when I'll, actually get a publicist and start doing PR stuff because I, I knew I would have a backlist at that point. So once people did discover me, mm-hmm. you know, they could go back and read stuff because I knew I wouldn't be able to put out um, yeah. X number of books, you know, every year while I was also doing marketing doing stuff because that marketing. takes up a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. 
I want to talk about your audiobooks, though, in that do you do yeah. simultaneous releases with your audio? I, I, so that's the thing. I've never actually done a simultaneous release. <laughs> I have gotten to a point. So my first deadline for my books are actually for the audio because at this point, so I, I do, I cast, I book the narrators and cast mm-hmm. them long before um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I write the books now because mm-hmm. I actually write specifically for my narrators for their voices mm-hmm. and the, their personalities, if I know them, mm-hmm. but um, I still haven't done an actual simultaneous release. They're getting closer mm-hmm. now because um, the recording, like for attachment theory, the, the recording starts next week and the ebook doesn't release until uh, the week after. Um, but yeah. uh, I'm going to do, I don't know if you've used ACX, but like Mm -hmm. they've actually, for whatever reason, they're starting to put stuff out quicker. Like for Mm -hmm. a long time, you had no idea how long it would take them for a book to go live. So I was doing pre-orders and I would do a a set on sale date. Um, But you had to sort of leave quite several weeks between when you actually get the the final files back and and the on sale date so that they could process it. But now it's down to like a week. And so I'm going to, for attachment theory, which is my next release, I'm actually going to do like a live release and we'll see how that goes. And so it might come out sooner than it would have if I did a a set on sale date. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm experimenting with that. And, And the thing is like, you know, my audiobook fans who I love very, very, very much, but they always complain about having to wait and it doesn't matter how long they have to wait. I mean, they a lot right. of people want in a simultaneous release. I have I have an author friend who has always done simultaneous releases, and she keeps telling me you have to do it because you will get more sales and everything. And the thing is, like my audiobooks, for whatever reason, they do well. Like I've been profitable from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it comes out later. So like I do have people who will read the audiobook because they can't wait to just mm-hmm. find out what the story is. And then they'll, they'll be like, Oh my God, this is going to be amazing in audio. I need to listen to the audio or, mm-hmm. you know, they're planning on reading there. There are people who are like, they'll start reading it and they're like, Nope, Nope. It's so good. I just have to wait for the audio. <laughs> story, which I like, yeah, that's not insulting at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know they don't mean for it to be insulting, yes. but you know, it kind yeah. of is. It's like, okay, if you're not going to enjoy it unless my <laughs> actors are <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But um yeah. I'm still working on that. But the uh, sorry, but the other th- but the thing is it's like I make so much more money through Kindle Unlimited than mm-hmm. I do through audiobooks it doesn't actually make sense to me to make my eyeball readers wait Mm -hmm. for for the audiobook to be ready because which I think you know you kind of have to do in order to catch up and make it a simultaneous release and so I keep I keep releasing the ebooks first one day perhaps I will get it together and actually do a simultaneous release but it's It's not tricky though it's tricky. Yeah. Have you ever done it? Of, no, I have not. That's a lot of coordination yeah. that I. It is. Yeah, I so, tried it. You, and you, I couldn't you get did. it to match up because well, it was you have that to do delay. a really long pre-order mm-hmm. uh, for your yeah. ebook too. You yeah. have to put out the ebook first in order to to set up. Yes, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm doing mine through Find Away Voices, 
because I'm wide. So I have, Oh, you are. So you just, it's like a big mystery. You just don't know. I mean, you know, it'll go live on certain retailers on certain dates. Google play is very good at getting it out on time. Kobo, but then like ACX and you just don't know. And so, and I would try on different. Yeah. And I would try and direct people to, Oh, look, it's live over here. But then people are very loyal to Mm -hmm. like ACX Mm -hmm. or whoever, audible, whoever they're with. And they want, they want all their stuff together in the same certain app. Yeah. Yes. And so that, yeah. So it's tricky. Do you like find away voices? I mean, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. It's it's helped me find a bunch of new readers. Like we were talking about how you want to kind of have your core and you want to reach out to some new people that haven't heard of you and that through audio, I've been able to do that because I feel like that it's a completely different group of people. Usually it is. Is There is some crossover, but it's pretty different. It's, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is. Well, uh, speaking of your writing schedule, so you said you can write a book like in six weeks. Is that what you said? That's what it comes down to. Like I always, I mean, I do, that's like the actual writing of the chapters. I do right, right, right. outline and like, you know, so there's, there's always like, once I've finished a book, I try to give myself an actual week of a brain break, but, um, I already, I'm already taking notes. And especially if it's like, like this attachment theory is the second book in the Brody Brothers series. Now that I've figured out that series. series works. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I know, I know all the characters, I know all the, um, the story arcs for mm-hmm. the characters before starting the book. And so I have that and like, I'm, you know, I'm always making notes for stuff. And so like I, my first phase of writing, I have a, just a document that called notes and ideas. And so I'll just put all my ideas in there. They're mostly about characters and, um, and it'll come out in dialogue. Um, and then, and then I start to, and then I start to like really get organized. And then I have a, a different file that's just going to be an outline and like specifically character descriptions and, and, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I go into it and I, I'm kind of a hybrid um, outliner and, and pantser most of the time mm-hmm. in that I don't, I don't like to like, I always know exactly where I'm heading, but I don't like to outline kind of the back half yeah. mm-hmm. of the book when I first get started. And then I usually, once I get to sort of like three quarters of the way in, it feels like I have to, and I go back and I will outline it more specifically, but mm-hmm. I always know where I'm going. Like I call it, um, for me, it's like a road trip mm-hmm. where, you know, I know where I'm going. I know the major stops that I want to make along the way, but I'm not like making reservations at specific hotels so that I have to get there at exactly the right time. Because I know that once I start writing, the characters are going to lead the way um, to a certain degree. Um, but I do... I do need some outline for Mm -hmm. sure. And I also have different, um, (laughs) I have like notebooks for every one of my projects. So when I start writing, I write in a notebook just because you think differently, you know, Mm -hmm. with a pen. Mm -hmm. And and then when you go to the keyboard and then I also have a whiteboard and I have a bulletin board. And so the bulletin, the whiteboard is 
all character stuff. So I can just quickly look at it and see, okay, who is, who is mm -hmm. who and how are they related and what's their age and where are they from and that kind of thing. And then the bulletin board is for index cards with, um, with chapters and mm -hmm. I organize it, um, you know, and I like, here are the major things that have to happen yeah. that's in great. each chapter. And yeah. so, yeah, that's something I learned as a screenwriter. That's something one of my, uh, one of my fellow staff writers at the studio did. And that was a cool thing to learn. Mm -hmm. so. That is great. And then after that, like, do you write so many words a day or, I mean, do you have a word count goal or do you have a page goal? No, it's or? always, I try to do a chapter a day and my chapters okay. totally vary in length. And I tend to, you know, I will, I will stay at my desk until I finished a chapter, even if it, mm -hmm. even if it's like a 3,500 word chapter, which I really shouldn't <laughs> be doing, but I, in the beginning, my chapters tend to be really, long. And so I very often, you know, I don't finish writing until like nine o'clock and then I'll have dinner and then I'll, I'll exercise at 1030 at night. Wow. <laughs> yeah, You're dedicated. <laughs> I am. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been, you know, for like all three years that I've been doing this, but this year I'm like, you know what, <laughs> my body is changing because yeah. of being an author. So I have to actually, yeah. instead of exercising at midnight, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Well, I, I love that. I, I, I love to hear that that I like to hear other people's process so I, I love that yeah well what do you guys do oh well you don't want to know mine <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't write very fast so it, okay. it, yeah I do yeah. a bit of binge writing here and there yeah. that's pretty much mine what about yours Sarah yeah I'm no, one of the, I have to have it too yeah, I have to have an outline but it's more a loose outline you know I kind of yeah. I need to know where I'm going but I don't I don't break it down into the teeny tiny details because I can't see that much in depth when I start a project, I have to get into it. So yeah, yeah. for sure. You yeah. guys have matching eyeglasses. I just noticed. <laughs> oh, we do. Well, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of awesome. <laughs> I love it's our uniform. It's our yeah. podcast uniform. Well, there's but, one question um, we have to ask that I know people will be curious about since mm -hmm. you were a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on someone who's very, very interested in getting their book made into a movie or picked up by Netflix? I mean, I don't know. Give us I, a realistic I, view here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not even something I want for myself as an author. So, I mean, you know, I think for in the romance genre, I'm guessing um, it would have to be really edgy or racy or some kind of thriller element. Um, yep. Like I don't, I honestly don't expect anyone to come knocking and say, we want to adapt to Kaylee Lauren, but because they aren't, I mean, for features, they really don't make romantic comedies for women anymore. Like ever since mm -hmm. um, Judd Apatow got in the game, like mm -hmm. with, um, you know, 40 year old virgin, which I love, I love those movies you know, but studios realized that they could reach a male audience um, with romantic comedies if they mm -hmm. cast someone like Seth Rogen, mm -hmm. who looks like your average schmo, who's mm -hmm. a hilarious <laughs> nerd with a gorgeous girlfriend. And so, you know, it's not it's not like the the romance novels that we're writing mm -mm. now. It's not about a dreamy swoony hero. Mm -mm. Um, so. You know, that it might, you know, obviously I don't 
I don't watch Passion Flicks, so I don't know about them, but I'm guessing there's, I know Amy Dawes sold mm-hmm. her thing. So that's probably the first actual rom-com that they're doing. I'm sure. That I, think they've done, I think they've done Rachel Van Dyken's uh, rom-com that she wrote. I can't right. remember the name of it. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, but yeah, you're right. Even those are still more suspense and, um, you know, or yeah, sprawling, needs, kind of sprawling books. It yeah. needs another element mm-hmm. besides just romance for the most part, mm-hmm. I think. Um, unless, you know, unless it's something like a Nicholas Sparks novel, I suppose. But though, but I think those only get made because they're Nicholas Sparks and they have to be, you know, a huge bestseller where they know that Nicholas Sparks fans are actually going to see the movie I think um and those very few of those movies are actually getting made the movies that are actually getting made for theaters are huge huge you know like Marvel type Mm -hmm. huge big budget movies or tiny little independent films where you have a very small cast and crew and you know ideally less than one less than two people on screen where they can be, you know, six feet apart at all times. So exactly. um, So, and I would, I would also say if you do happen to have a book optioned, uh, don't be upset if they completely change it (laughs) because that that just (laughs) happens. That always happens. I mean, I saw some of the BB Easton, uh, yeah. show on Netflix and I mean that's not it's nothing like the book um, and you have to be okay with that because they're going to they're going to adapt it for the audience that they're trying to attract and for their own format mm-hmm. and um, and also yep. it's very likely going to be a low a lower budget because romance I mean especially on on streaming unless it's like I don't know if I mean, you know what, like Hallmark probably, if it's if it's a clean romance, I'm sure Hallmark is mm-hmm. is optioning like, yeah. books. I don't know. That's not, not, not really my space, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's gonna they're gonna change it for structure, they're gonna change mm-hmm. it for a specific actor that they yeah. want. Um, yeah. so you can't, you know, be happy if if they buy it and your name's gonna be on there as the author of the book that it's based on and then you have, have to, to let, let it go. go you absolutely have to like i mean you yeah. kind of that's kind of the le- the overall lesson as an author when you put something out yeah. in the world in general yes exactly over yeah. how people are going to respond you just exactly. don't exactly so enjoy the writing process and mm-hmm. write what makes you feel good and then let it go let it go yeah. <laughs> well we always like to ask our guests what do you think the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success is Oh, um, the best thing that I've done, I think, is just, well, like I said, (laughs) taking it slow, just Mm -hmm. knowing myself, knowing that if I had gone into this, trying to do all the things that you're supposed to do as an author right out of the gate, I would have gotten burnt out Mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead, I focused on really figuring out, you know, this genre and the readership and um, finding my voice as 
a romance author, which is, mm-hmm. it's funny because I, you know, Kaylee Loring is a pen name. And at first I didn't tell anyone that I knew um, IRL or like the people that I knew in LA, what my pen name was. And I had a, a couple of, especially like male screenwriter friends who just kept asking me and they wanted to read my books. And <clears throat> and I finally told them and they did. And they were like, I can totally tell it's your writing. <laughs> like, and to me, it's so different. And I was really embarrassed because, you know, I was writing the stuff they had read of mine had barely even kissing in any of it. Yes, this, yes. Is, this is like open door sex. And I was <laughs> but they were like, no, I can totally tell it's you. It's your voice. And so that's kind of actually good to know, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but I guess setting myself up for success was just knowing who I am and knowing what people respond to mm-hmm. in my writing and sticking with that. Like I, right. I think it took me a really long time to actually do the branding stuff as an author, but I was aware of branding because right. of, you know, a particular studio that I worked for, I was aware of the concept of branding. And so I think the first notion that I had, like I said, was that my brand is my personality and my author's voice, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that has always been, you know, the lighthouse. Yep. That's and great. I think it's pretty simple. Yep. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you for being here. This, this is been great. Yeah. I know that everybody's <laughs> going to love it. So well, where can people find out more about you? I don't know. Um, like I said, read one of my books if you want to find out about me. Um, I, I mean, I'm mostly, so I have a Facebook group called Kayleyville, K-A-Y-L-E-Y-V-I-L-L-E. And I'm very accessible there. Um, and then the other place I am more, more often is Instagram. Just Kay, at Kaylee Loring on Instagram. So, okay. Say hi, All right. Well, we will have the links at, in the show notes, and those will be at wish I'd known then podcast.com. So, thanks for talking to us today, and we'll see everybody it. next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.